Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us in this podcast series for Integrative Arts and Humanities Course 241E, Social Dance, History, and Contemporary Reflections. Today our podcast is inside of the module Dance to the Rhythm. So we are interviewing Assistant Professor of Dance and full-time faculty at BYU, Professor Brent Keck. Ready, set, go, man, go. I got a gal that I love, so I'm ready. So I'm here with Brent Keck, assistant professor and full-time faculty in the dance department at Brigham Young University, one of the best dance programs in the country. That's my personal opinion, but I really do think it's fantastic. Uh, he has been involved in competition ballroom dance sport for over 20 years. He and his wife achieved the championship title Professional Rising Star, Professional Latin Champions multiple times throughout their professional lives. Brent also directed and choreographed for BYU Youth Dance Sport Formation Team. He's coached multiple dance sport couples, competing for national titles, and is recognized by the National Dance Council of America as a championship judge. Thank you so much for joining us, Brent. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, what's the path you took to become a professor of dance? Well, you know, it's interesting. I come from a family of athletes. My brothers, I have three brothers that were uh, amazing athletes. In fact, one of them was, I think, pitched to play quarterback for Oregon State University years ago. Wow. Um, but then I have a sister that took a social dance class at, at BYU. And then when I went to BYU, um, she encouraged me to take the same class. So I took the class. Um, found some success, took another class based on a teacher's recommendation and caught on fire, basically. Do you remember what the first dance you did was? It was Foxtrot. Foxtrot, yes. Social American Foxtrot. <laughs> so you just kind and of took to it. What was that? You just kind of took to it. Yeah, actually it wasn't just kind of taking to it. I was, I was, I would say almost possessed. <laughs> um, and then I got into the competition scene and from then on, I was, I was sold. I was sold into ballroom dancing. And then I was going to be uh, actually a banker. Really? But then heavily felt that I needed to come back to this program. And so I came back to BYU, was hired, and then hired again, and then hired as a full-time dance faculty member. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I kind of have a similar path myself. I, I, I fell into dance through, through theater, uh, musical theater specifically, which is what I, I, I teach now uh, primarily. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just kind of took to it. It was a combination of, you know, appreciating the the art form, but also um, enjoying the rigor of the athleticism and the, you know, the complication of it. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. So what would you say is your, um, is your kind of favorite social dance style at this point? Um, I generally gravitated more toward the Latin dances, mm. but keeping in mind that it was the competitive style. Right. So if you've ever seen uh, on TV, the international cha-cha, international samba, rumba, paso doble jive, those were the ones that I gravitated more toward. Not, not to say that I didn't do the, the, the American social dances, but I gravitated more toward the international style dances. Um, my favorite dances would probably include the cha-cha and samba. 
That's great. Well, so why do you think that is? Why do you think you, you gravitated towards that style? Is there anything intrinsic about it that kind of, you know, makes you, makes you excited or interested about it? You know, I don't know. It was, it was, I, I, I think in some past life I was, um, introduced to Latin rhythms and that's just, it's part of my soul. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really great. Um, well, that's fabulous. I've always been so interested in it and I've always really wanted to, wanted to kind of, uh, pursue it. Uh, my path led me towards musical theater again. So that's, so that's where we stand now, but I, I love talking to professionals and experts like yourself about it. Cause it's so, it's so incredible. Um, so this module that we're talking about in this course currently is trying to, um, trying to kind of uncover some interesting facts and truths about, um, American social dance, and primarily around the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, because uh, it's such an interesting period of, of, of change and growth and, and development in the country. So uh, a funny quote that I, that I remember uh, reading a while back, um, I've done a bunch of productions of Grease, the musical, uh, in my, in my uh, uh, work as a prof uh, professional director and choreographer, and I always, I always dive into kind of the research a lot. And I remember... Uh, um, reading this one quote about how, you know, how afraid parents were of rock and roll when it first came out. Um, and, but how teenagers kind of like claimed it as their own. Do you have any, um, do you have any thoughts about how, uh, dance and rock and roll are kind of like intermingled? Um, well, uh, well, of course. I mean, if, if you even go back further than that, you know, with jazz, yeah. um, as has been said jazz music and jazz dancing really well jazz dancing can't happen without jazz music during the time period right so as jazz evolved into rock and roll um with with uh, you know characters as, as little richard right and such um I, I, you have to identify that the dancing just kind of came along with the rhythms hmm. it's kind of like what we're not seeing today we're not necessarily seeing a lot of music being produced that the youth feel like they want to dance to hmm. but those rhythms of of the rock and roll era uh particularly of the african-american descent mm -hmm. right they were coming up with these these rock and roll songs that were just infectious and people just wanted to dance yeah. but, but it was also part of the culture i mean it was not embarrassing to dance socially back then right yeah, I find it interesting that, you know, just before rock and roll, we kind of, we have uh, couples dancing a little bit more specifically together and with each, with each other to kind of like formulated steps. But then right. it kind of seems to change a little bit more individual as rock and roll shows up. Now, when you say individual, what do you mean? Well, I kind of feel like you don't necessarily need a partner to do the twist. You know what I mean? Or, right. Or, or right. And so that's where we, that's where the twist was, was introduced. Um, and that had a lot to do with the culture of the time, particularly in the United States. Um, there was a lot of um, civil unrest. Um, so there was a lot of civil right actions going on. Um, plus there was sexual equality coming out. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like you needed uh, to dance with someone you know, in, in a closed frame. Um, and as the twist was so unique that you could dance the figure with 
a person, but not even make any type of connection with the person. Um, yeah, that was that was quite different. Plus, I think we also have to um, introduce that by generation, um, teenagers generally rebel against what their parents were like. So if the parents were doing jazz or rock and roll, you know, in the 40s and 50s, then in the 60s, when we find the twist happening, it's kind of in and of itself a rebellion yeah. of, no, I'm not going to do what my parents did. I want to do something different. And this is really cool. Oh, that's fascinating. You know, because I wonder if, do you think, do you think um, young people and their parents were listening to like the same styles of music before rock and roll came out? As far as like the popular music, do you think it was shared? Well, I think, of course, there's a, there, there's a point where you're, you're raised in a home and you're going to hear, of course, what your parents are listening to. Um, but as you get older into those teenage years, you may break off into your own room and start listening yeah. to pop culture while downstairs, the parents are probably still listening to their own music. So we have, we hear this word called dance fads. Let's talk yeah. about, let's talk, what's your, what's your kind of impression of, uh, or the definition you think of, of that, of that phrase, of that, of that, um, that cult, that pop culture word. Oh yeah. The jitterbug, uh, okay. the twist. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a ton of them. Yeah. Lindy. Uh, oh yeah. Lindy. Is that what you said? Lindy, which was more, which was more born in the twenties and thirties, but it, it, it survived of course. And what's the, how would you make a comparison between um, like jitterbug and something like the twist? Like how are they different? Well, the jitterbug was in closed hold. Um, and again, it was born, I, I believe, um, as a majority from the African-American culture. Right. Um, and I think twist was as well. I mean, but of course, with the music of jazz and really kind of that culture dancing, the jazz and the rock and roll, you're going to get a large uh, contingency of African-American people. Mm -hmm. However, the, 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 the white people were like, we're not just going to sit back and watch. Mm -hmm. We want to play. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was a, there, I think it was, the youth tend to not care so much about the problems of segrega segregation. Right. That's more of an older person thing right. and more of a fear. Right. Um, but the youth were just like, let us play. And I don't care. We don't see color. We just see fun. Yeah. So I don't know that I even answered your question. No, I think you totally did. I mean, that's it. There's something so, so interesting about, about how you said the word close hold, right. Compared right. to more of this kind of playful freedom. Um, can you help uh, our listeners understand what closed hold means? A traditional closed hold in, from my genre, the ballroom genre, is the man's right hand on the woman's uh, scapula in the back, and then just the man's left hand holding the, man, the woman's right hand. Just the general traditional hold you'd see in a waltz or a, right. uh, or a tango or something like that. Right. Um, but there are multiple closed holds. Even if I took just both of my hands, and held both of her hands out in front of us, that is also a closed hold. Oh, so there are multiple closed holds, particularly in the jitterbug, the, um, the Lindy Hop, those. Basically, it's gonna have a one hand hold. And that actually is quite important 
because there are things that that man is directing that woman to do through that whole handhold. And conversely, the woman may be reciprocating that hold and lead him to do something as well. Ah, But generally speaking, particularly from my dance world, it would be the man that would be giving the message of what figures are being danced. Right. I recently watched, uh, um, and I think I'll probably link this to the students on our online classroom. Um, I don't know if you've seen it before, but I think it, I think it was Lindy Hop. Um, and it was, uh, I think from a, a movie called Hell's a Poppin' or something like that. And it's the most athletic thing I've ever seen as far as dance. Oh, yeah. And it feels like there's this shared, uh, this shared kind of, um, uh, dialogue going on between, between both male and female dancers, almost as if they like, there's almost sometimes a significant, uh, higher level of responsibility sometimes on the female part because they're, they're upside down and flipping and twisting and going all over the place. It's, but I, but it makes me think of that close hold because there's almost like a communication here with the hands. That's the key word. That's the operative word, communication. There has to be that communication. If you're not communicating with your partner, then you could end up with a disastrous dance and possible injury. So yeah, you've got to have that communication with that. At least one dance, uh, one connection between the hands. Right. Um, I wonder, is there any way that we could, um, that you might be able to talk about... um, like uh, the tempos and stuff with, with, with how you might dance to, to rock and roll or anything about, uh, you know, cause I feel like when I, I, I feel like sometimes when I have tried the swing, the basic like kind of close hold swing step, it's in a six, but most rock and a lot of rock and rolls in four, four, something to that nature. Is there anything we can talk about in that or, or we, we think well all of your swing dances which are your lindy's and your east coast swing your west coast swing your jitterbugs all of those are still danced to a 4-4 rhythm a 4-4 meter Uh um which tends to get a little sticky while you're teaching beginners because you have to teach it in the six count as you had said right a one two three four five six one two three four five six which you leave out your seven eight and you start over again however it is in the 4-4 meter um so there your, your three, four meters are typically your, your circle dances, like your waltzes. Oh, okay. Okay. This is starting to, this is starting to make sense. So inside of a, like a standard four, four. So we're talking about a rock beat. That's a one, two, um, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And then inside of that, you're counting six counts and then starting over again. So you're kind of like overlapping. Yes, Absolutely. But your downbeat is going to be your um, two count, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you've got to stay on that. And as long as you stay in your figures, your dancing figures, your swing figures on those beats, it really doesn't matter where in the eight count you are. But if you get off one beat, then it's going to start feeling and looking awkward. That sounds complicated, especially like you said, we're teaching beginners. Yeah, that's where it gets a little sticky because a lot of times they don't they don't get that. They like that eight count. They want to go through the eight count and finish it. But you have to curb them over and say, no, no, no. On that seven, you're starting over again. And it's OK. Yeah. You just did something that that kind of piqued my interest for a second. The way that you were kind of uh, counting and snapping. Um, I wonder. Is are there other dances that that are more um, aligned with 
the uh, the one and the three rather than the two and the four because the way that you made that 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 kind of sounded it just it has a, a a much more interesting hip groove to it than the one and the three. Why is that? Well, I think I don't know. Maybe you could argue that it's why everybody dances to those songs and loved yeah. those swing songs. Uh, you put on a swing. It's, it's interesting because I'll be at a competition and I'll just kind of observe the judges. You know, if there's a cha-cha playing or a samba or a waltz or whatever, a lot of times a judge will just stand there and make their observations and make their decision. You put on a swing song, which is in my uh, genre, a jive. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of the swing dances, the jive. Um, it's, not, it, it's not uncommon that you'll see the, dance, the, the judges unknowingly start to dance <laughs> they'll start to shake their legs they'll start to you know tap their feet or whatever and they won't know they're doing it so there is i think something about those that song genre that musical genre that just gets inside your body and you just want to move you know move your body um i, I don't i don't i'm not a musician so i don't know exactly how to answer your question no but you're so but that's exactly you know you're so right it's something just like it like i don't know it's like intrinsic to our our, our human nature or something there's something about that syncopation and that and that rhythm that's so that's so infectious yes of course that's true um that's true i feel like i feel like jazz music is less I don't want to make too big of a grand statement here because I don't know, if, but um, but I feel like it's more for the brain, and rock and roll is more for like your gut. Oh, perhaps again, I'm not a musician, but from what I understand from jazz, uh, there's a whole interplay there that yeah. is exciting and fun, but potentially dangerous. Yeah, where I think your rock and roll music is a little bit more like set to a standard. This is our piece. This is how we're going to play it. This yeah. is how it's composed where jazz is not necessarily composed. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's, I, I, I just remembered a conversation I had with our music director from of, of Greece and he was, I think I remember him saying, oh, what do you know, it's it's in C again and we're it's in 4-4 and it's like, you know, it's pretty simple. Um, um, but maybe perhaps something about that, that, that heavy beat, that syncopation you were talking about and the simplicity of it, it just, maybe that's the reason why it's so easy to dance to well and i think of course the percussion helps oh yeah um and it's just exciting it's an exciting uh genre of music yeah very exciting but i do think that the rhythm is i don't know you could compare that to natural rhythms like our heartbeats and the you know the waves of the ocean that we all somehow connect to yeah so i think there is maybe a connection there with swing music I feel like the twist kind of has a basic step to it, too. Could you, for those who haven't seen it, can you describe what it might look like? Well, um, it, it, it kind of awkwardly, it's it's like you're drawing off your behind, <laughs> and you're putting out you're putting out a, a, a cigarette with your foot. <laughs> I've never heard of that. That's fantastic. I love that. <laughs> okay, so putting out a cigarette with your foot or drying off your behind. That's that's hilarious. With a towel. Yeah, okay. Okay, so uh, just back and forth, back and forth. Uh, what are the arms doing? Um, there's, uh, there's variations of your arms. They can just kind of hang loosely out in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's probably the 
the the universal thing. Um, so uh, one more question, if you don't mind. Um, no, go ahead. So in our current turbulent world, how do you see dance or social dance for that matter um, being used as a way to kind of um, create, enforce and promote positivity or change or empowerment? And where do you, what sort of thoughts do you have um, as, um, with that in mind as dance as like a vehicle for, for something positive? You know what, you draw a really good question. First, I think we have to consider, you know, COVID-19. Um, the statement is social dancing and social distancing can't, can't um, live in the same world. So with that said, it would be hard to, you know, until we find a vaccine for, for COVID right. um, to say, yeah, let's go ahead and dance. You know, I don't know you, but let's dance. Uh, that's a bit more difficult, and especially with the government asking us not to do things like that, that makes it difficult. Now, with that said, dancing, even by yourself, however, is good for the soul. Um, I don't know, I've never heard maybe one person say, I don't like to dance, after they've had the experience of maybe a half hour dancing. You get a half hour dancing, and you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone that's unhappy. Yeah right? Most people are pretty happy after dancing for at least a half hour. Right. Um, I don't know, put some twist on and let some people dance. You can do the twist by social distancing. Yeah, right. I mean, if you put on Little Richard, you cannot, you cannot have a frown on. You cannot like feel, there's something about it that's just so incredible. Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much uh, for your sentiments with that specifically and for all of your um, all of your awesome conversation here. Um, is there anything that you uh, felt like uh, we almost were going to talk about that you might want to say or anything else about um, anything that we might have perhaps missed? As we um, Not necessarily, other than um, I, I assume your students are probably within the age of 20 to 25. Uh, yeah, mostly. Maybe even 19. 18. Yeah. 18 to 25. Um, just encourage i would say just always an encouragement even though it may seem scary and embarrassing to dance um that just just find yourself in a room and just put some music on dance any way you want to dance um because it will i think that's one thing as you ask the question what can help us through these turbulent times there's just not many people out there that after having danced feel bad Right. Um, and if we want to lift our spirits, I think dancing can do that, yeah. even while we're social dancing. Um, I just think it, it's good for the soul to move your body and to move your body with music. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform students enrolled in IAH 241E Social Dance History and Contemporary Reflections course.